Not X, not X today. It really gives anything too much of note, but this week, what a special guest we have on his time for a beer podcast. A good friend of mine, someone who went around the AFL world, not so much winning premierships the first four times, but the fifth time was super successful. The man who once turned bread into water or wine and, and walked on water or something like that. An absolute champion lad, one of the most intelligent, down-to-earth guys I met on my AFL journey. It was such a pleasure for him to turn up to Hawthorne. I knew him as a young kid at school, and then we reunited back at the Hawks. He's absolute champion, but before we get into that chat, please give it a rating and a review. Uh, if nothing else, I'm pissed off. I just banged my head on a cupboard after I just got back from the vet with a uh, about a $7,000 quote for my dog who's done an ACL. Never did an ACL, fun fact, but um, $7,000 for a dog. I love dogs, actually, more than humans, but still $7,000. So cheer me up. Give me a review, please. I've got a headache and I've got, I don't have $7,000. So anyway, give us a review. Put a smile on me dial. Enough about me. Let's listen to this guy. Around the outer side with precision. And the hairy journeyman runs away. That's Stanger. Oh, Relay free kick. They held him up though. Stratton. Jack ducked his head. No free kick. Tip it in a contest. Spangers at the back. He's got the Midas touch, Spanger. First premiership for him, but Spanger peels off. Franklin comes up behind him. Spanger did brilliantly to get it in there to Gunston. Shaw scrambles it to midfield. Taken by Spanger. The 27, and what a journey. Matt Spanger. Matt Spanger. Spang, how are you, mate? Very well, Tucker. How are you? Mate, uh, I'm good over here in WA. I feel, being a Victorian myself, um, I feel a lot for you guys. How are you going in in lockdown and um, work and all that sort of business, everything going okay for you? Yeah, honestly, I mean, on a personal note, like not too bad, uh, all things considered, you know, it's less, don't get me wrong, I'd certainly much rather have, you know, the freedom of some West Australians or other states. But, um, you know, we're going, we're going okay, Georgie and I, in terms of, what you know, work-wise and, the ability to get around and stuff like we've got our own place and things like that so it's not too bad but i can certainly feel the tension you know even uh even <laughs> in the streets of some melburnians my god i think they're well and truly at that at the end of their tether and probably rightly so oh it's funny you say that i saw to a mate um woody from from the radio uh and he was saying he ran into dill buckley at a cafe and he had his mask on they both had their masks on and Woody was like, I, I wanted to go say hello, but I really just couldn't be fucked speaking through a mask. Like, I'm just done. I, it just, it's at the stage where the mask stuff, it, it, it must be tough. But, I mean, for so long in your career, you were the, you were the ace of spades. You were the one word. Now, you mentioned your wife, Georgie, who's a doctor. So all of a sudden, mate, you, you, you bear very little importance in, in, in Australia, in the community. Your wife's the, the star of the house. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she, um, oh, mate, there, a couple of weeks ago when it was... You know, it was really not great over mm. here. You know, she's working, you know, 12 plus hour days, you know, literally on yeah. the front line. And like, uh, I know, but I don't really want to use that expression, but like she was, you know, taking calls when she was getking back home and things like that. So, you know, you talk about someone actually having a decent role and like putting <laughs> things in perspective of your own life. Absolutely. But, you know, like certainly always proud of her. But, you know, that that time you're like, geez, you're actually making a difference and fighting the fight, even though things are, 
you know, you, you, know, you can get political and say, you know, decisions haven't gone your way and stuff, but like, doctors don't really, when I say don't care, at the end of the day, they'll front up and just do what they have yeah. to do to, to help the patient. So, um, yeah, it was pretty impre- pretty impressive. So, and then you know, suddenly when I'm like getting off a call with, you know, <laughs> troublesome client or something, you're just like, oh, it just really puts your life in perspective. <laughs> oh, I can imagine, mate. Now, uh, we're going to start from the start. Uh, I, I originally knew you, uh, not not as a friend, but more of an acquaintance. We crossed paths during school. You being a Xavier College boy, me being a, a, a rival at Melbourne Grammar uh, School. Let, let's start there. You, you're an academic fellow for those people that don't don't know you that well. You, you're a cold hero, but uh, let's get down to the crux of it. You, you're quite an academic fella. School was uh, you enjoyed. You, you had a really good balance knowing you. School was important. Socialising was important. Footy was important, and I feel that you've carried that all the way through, education, social, and, and sport. How did you enjoy your school days at Xavier? And we had a question come through in the socials. What's your favourite Xavier College memory? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I certainly did enjoy school. Like there's, you know, good and bad parts of, of any chapter of your life, I suppose. But for the most part, school was predominantly really, really good, and I've got some really strong and close mates still from that, which is probably reflective of my time there, I think. Yeah, in terms of uh, in terms of my best memory from school, um, I mean, there's always some nice ones across the sporting field. My um, school sporting prowess. I was actually probably better at athletics yeah. at the school age. I was um, I was more of a long distance runner at that stage, like quite tall, but I was really skinny. <laughs> um, you know, back then, you know, I've, I was probably thirty kilos lighter than what I am now. To put things in perspective, with not much difference in height. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, we had a couple of good uh, good runs on in terms of athletics, and as a result, got to go to some state championships with the school on some interstate trips, which were really a lot of fun. You know, like you you felt part of a pretty close knit team, and then we got came away with some victories. So they were probably some really some really cool things. But um, I mean, some funny there's some funny highlights that you just think you you don't really get. Like I don't know if you ever did dancing classes and things like oh, that, and just how. So <laughs> how ridiculously awkward I was in those circumstances looking back now but thinking I was killing it you know like it was it's just ridiculous funny you mentioned dancing classes and this is an absolute piss up so at boarding school we all had to do it in year 10 uh, and we danced with the year 9 girls or year 11 year 10 so we danced with the young, year below us girls anyway one weekend uh, one dance class I missed I think I had footy somewhere or something and my mates went to this girl who, and it, it really happened, had a, a, a bit of a crush on me, and she had flaming red hair. Um, a lovely girl, I'm sure, but not... I mean, I always aimed at the top. It's not where I often <laughs> ended, but it wouldn't have been my first tar- target. You had to get a kiss at the dancing class social. Anyway, yeah. the boys all night were like, "Have you? Oh, Zave's not here, but he told us to pass on. Yeah, he's down if you're down, all this sort of stuff. (laughs) Anyway, I've turned up the next week to dancing class and the room's split in two and the kingfish uh, is just waiting there for me. I was like, what's going on here? And all night, like, she had me pinned in. I was like, I don't get what's going on. Lovely girl, but dancing classes, I still have nightmares about it. Oh, mate, at least you uh, – it sounds like you at least had something going on. I I seriously was just casting the the net, I suppose, (laughs) that I had nowhere near it. Like, I – I look back and I, I now see photos of myself back then <laughs> and it just answers all the questions as to why I was not doing as well as I thought I should have been. <laughs> oh, but even like when they go, so Ted, my um, one-year-old, they go, oh, Zave, he's identical to you. And like, he's pretty cute at the moment. And I'm like, he does not know what's coming. 
Like he's going to have <laughs> 10 years it's of funny the hardest that. time of his life meeting a girl. Well, it's funny, Mitch, that that's almost verbatim the conversation that Georgie and I had when she saw something on, I think, either yours or Em's Instagram the other day. Um, she's like, geez, like, Ted looks so much like Xavier. I was like, oh, poor bastard. Oh, no, mate. <laughs> and I used to have freckles. I used to have, like, a thick layering of freckles. And, Ted, I've spotted a freckle, and I'm like, shit, here they come. He's cooked. He's absolutely rooted, the poor little man. Anyway, he's got hey, to Mitch, get... Uh... So I've started to increase the skill set for him, mate. Get him like on the surfboard or something over in WA. And also, I'm getting him on the tongue early. So I'm sure my dad didn't have me saying things early days. Like he was just like, "I'll be a good kid." Whereas I'm like, "Boy, you need some swag and you need a bit of lip." So we're starting that at one. So by the time you're 16, you've actually got a bit of charisma, I suppose. Yeah, oh mate, I don't think he'll be short of that in your household. <laughs> you and him have got good tongues, I reckon you'll be fine. Hey mate, drafted pick thirty four to West Coast uh, in in an era where West Coast were dominant, but also in an era where West Coast uh, there was obviously um, dark clouds hanging over the joint. Heading from Victoria to to WA, you read articles um, throughout that period about parents, and also after that period about parents being concerned. You know, their, their child is at the age of eighteen, and, and don't get me wrong, we thought we were. We were men at 18, but we were boys. How were your family heading when you headed off to, to WA? I reckon it was right on the cusp of becoming public knowledge, particularly over East, about some of the behavioural stuff in at the club. Yep. Um, but uh, in terms of, like, so the prowess of, of some of my parents, I suppose, how they felt about me going, like, it was the complete other way. They were just so excited that I got drafted, to be honest. And yeah. so was I. Like, I hadn't really heard much. And um, at that stage, when the Eagles had just lost the grand final, you know, by a few points, I think four points, something to Sydney the year before, yeah. um, you know, you're pretty excited to go to a club that's, you know, got things going on. And although you'd probably know you need to do a bit of work to get a game and yeah. all that sort of <laughs> stuff, like, you're still pretty excited to be, to be rubbing up, you know, shoulders with those kind of guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. Um, it probably wasn't until I was only there for about three months, and then uh, an incident happened where Cuzzy lost the captaincy, where probably things started to get out in the media across back east. Plus, social media didn't really exist back then; like yeah. that kind of information wasn't as easily as accessible. Were you, were you naive? I, like, I was so naive to the world of that that world until I was, you know, probably mid twenties. Were, were you as a eighteen year old? Were, were you naive to what was going on, or um, was it pretty open? And you you might have been, um, you know, eyes wide open growing up in the city as opposed to me being a country bloody bumpkin. But were you? Uh, did you know what was going on? Uh, oh no, nah, nowhere near. Like to the extent that I think um, it may have been occurring. And yeah. um, I mean, you know what it's like in a footy club. You know, there's. Um, there's almost like levels of hierarchy, you know, that, yeah. it, that it kind of it happens. And um, and certainly when I first got there, um, you know, just by the organic nature of coming in a, in a draft class that was, you know, guys that were pretty pretty committed and, and yeah. certainly not certainly not across that. So I came through with Pritis, Shannon Hearn and, and Ben McKinley and then even Stephen Armstrong coming in for a second chance. So, yeah. Like we weren't really um, focused on too much in terms of that sort of lifestyle. But um, even the years above me, I had some really great players who looked after us holistically as a group, but who are now really good friends, you know, who absolutely were as professional as you could could ever imagine. Like from probably Ash Hansen, Brent Staker and Selwood down, I'd imagine that, that everyone after that draft class was, you know, really 
really committed and certainly didn't expose us to any of what I suppose the public perceive as what was going on over there. And uh, I just think two of your close mates and um, two two blokes that were drafted the year after being uh, Will Schofield and uh, the best man at your wedding and Eric McKenzie, who was also a, a mutual friend of ours, they, they had a work ethic and, uh, 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 um, I don't know, a belief and a want to play 200 games. Easy, easy to get there, but due to injuries. But, I mean, I was when I turned up, it was a completely different culture. But that was probably the swing of the culture a little bit, that, that crop of young kids that were coming through that had that attitude towards uh, and naivety towards what was going on. So it didn't take much to fix because you didn't really know what was happening. Yeah, exactly right. Like, you are completely ignorant, like, uh, when I say completely, like, to a certain extent. Mm. Like, you're not – I mean, people, uh, the way they write stories, it's, it's you know, it's pretty interesting. You know, they, yeah. they talk about it like they're not basically doing it in the corridors of the club rooms, you yeah. know, which is just so <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and it's – I mean, it's a little bit – I suppose now – I mean, we've kind of discussed about this, you know, earlier in the year about some stuff, uh, particularly about one of the players. I mean, you can probably have a guess who we're talking about. But, um, like – it's like there's a serious problem there, right? And it yeah. just sort of gets lost in the fact because it's a, it's an easy it's an easy beat up and it's an easy media story. So I get quite frustrated that because um, my memories of the individuals in terms of the t- experience I have with them at the club were nothing but friendly and supportive and yeah. helped me through years. So I was, my first couple of years at the club were really challenging in terms of injuries and um, anyone who's spent any time in rehabilitation from a a sports point of view, like it can be pretty isolating if you yeah. don't have someone who's coming through. So um, a lot of those guys who have got, you know, bad reputations took the time to come and speak to me. So I think um, you can only ever judge someone on what you experience with them, I suppose. And that's probably how my stand on stand on is. It's fun. And you spend time with these people and people come up to you at a bar or a pub and they'll go, oh, he, this bloke, he's a fucking idiot. And you're like, you've never met him. Like you actually have never mm. had a conversation with him. And, I know that, um, and I was listening to a, a crime podcast of all things the other day, and the cop was saying they're actually not bad blokes. Some of them, like you, you just kind of judge people how you find them. But um, so you drafted, uh, you, you, as you said, you had your injuries and that sort of stuff. Um, can we talk about a, a, a car trip that was involved with Easy and Davo? Oh, yeah, yeah, if you'd like. So, Do you want me to just elaborate on what's happened? Yeah, so I'm of the belief that uh, Easy and uh, Ryan Davis were out on a, um, a, a cruise or something out bush and they ran into a little bit of trouble. Now, is this where you might have come in to help them? Yeah, pretty much. So it was actually Scully's 21st birthday. Yep. Um, Scully's born in January, so it was pre season. I remember it so clearly. It was like a Friday afternoon after a training session. Um, and Scully booked in go karting, you yep. know, for probably about a dozen of us. There's something to do. Um, uh, all single, all, all single, I'd imagine, on a Friday. Go karting together. Good on your boys. Yeah, right. And um, and this might have just been. I'm trying to think. What was Scully? He's like 89. So like this, I think iPhones maybe just come out. You know, like the, yeah. the capacity to have a map in your hand. Um, was there, but I think the technology, the, the blue dot might have been lagging more back then than it does yeah. now. Um, the old man, uh, you, you want a location and sends you to the middle of Rottnest. You're like, I'm just trying to get to KFC. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Davo, for those who have crossed for us with Ryan Davis, is uh, he's certainly someone who plays the fool, but often is the fool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, so him, him and Eric McKenzie, yeah, easy were driving 
trying to get to this go-kart track, which I think it was it was like towards the Joondalup direction. It was certainly in that in that area, like North Perth. Anyway, and um, and they uh, they were coming through sort of uh, I think like the back of Warwick there, and we're trying to take a shortcut because they were running late. Yeah, and it said on the I'm map that you could get through. Of course. <laughs> says they can get through this trail like it's effectively a, a like a national park they were trying yeah. to get through and it's they just had like a little sedan mazda that they were driving and it's a genuine like bush bashing four-wheel drive country yeah and they just see they were getting closer on the map they were like we're like it's only you know 200 meters away and they've just kept going but then the trail ran out and then they've driven over like a, it was just a really dry plant i don't, I don't I mean i'm not a a botanist, I don't know what they're yeah. called, but like they, um, anyway, and obviously the engine was running hot and they've got stuck on it as they've gone over it. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and Dave, Dave's solution was just to floor it, you know, <laughs> like and try up. and get off it. They're <laughs> spinning the wheels. Anyway, and then, uh, and they're like, geez, it's getting hot. Like, uh, <laughs> you can imagine how, like, easy talks, like, oh, Dave, like, we better, you know, I think there's some smoke coming out of the bonnet, you know, like real draw. Yeah, there's and, some smoke uh, there, mate. <laughs> anyway, and then he, <laughs> I open the, I open the bonnet, and then there's fire just coming everywhere. And then you know they're trying to put it out, and then and they call trip. Fortunately, they call triple zero, and then you know there's water bombers dropping stuff out here. So somewhere between the water bottle coming and them calling the the fireys, they've called me to say come and get them. Help, I, <laughs> help. <laughs> yeah, and so that whole story I just told you is a is a, is you know is my interpretation of based off what Dave Owen Easy yeah. interpreted to me. So they um but yeah so I actually literally had to go get them. I missed completely missed the go-karting because I think uh the reason why I got them is just because um, they knew I was driving because there was yeah. a couple of guys who um who, yeah that's why. So but I think um, I think from what I gather they rang for help spang and they said yeah. the cars the car there's the, the car's on fire and you turned up with a 1.5 liter bottle of water to tip on it. So, so Davo literally, like, as he was, goes like, if you can bring water, and I'm like, well, I'm not yeah. stopping. I, like, I'll, I'll bring what I've got. And they never, they never told me that the car was engulfed in flames. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like I thought maybe they needed something for, you know, literally some coolant or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, it's, the engine's <laughs> overheated. So, um, anyway, and as I got there, I like I got to because I had a sedan as well. So easy, basically said, you know, you might have to get out and walk. So you're bush you bashing as well. Yeah, and fortunately, as I got there, um, the fiery had come. He's like, "Where are you going, mate?" Like, you know, obviously very inquisitive <laughs> of what the hell I was doing. I was like, "Oh, my mates have called me. They're stuck." He's like, "Get in!" Like he was not happy with me. I was like, "What did I do?" I haven't done it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my 1.5 litres to help. But the helicopter yeah, so, turned up. They water-bombed it and everything, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. Like, it was. I, I've never seen something like that up close. You know, excuse me, so that was an experience. But um, it could have gotten like, completely out of hand. You know, like, <laughs> can you imagine, you've seen what's happened, or what's happening in the States now, what happened in Australia earlier. Like, it could have been awful. Oh, so, no, imagine that. Four, um, West Coast blokes, four West Coast blokes running late to go-karting, tried to go through the forest. Car catches fire, houses go. It would, yeah. in that era, that and, wouldn't have settled well for anybody. Oh, absolutely not. No, we, yeah, definitely was. It had, you know, the, the capacity to get uh, a little bit <laughs> oversold in the media. But I mean, the extension of it was that, um, Dave, I probably still is to be honest. But I, I, 
you know, like a stereotypically filthy young man in terms of like oh, doesn't clean his bedroom and stuff like that. Yeah. So his car, you can imagine the state of his car. <laughs> literally everything, like all his training gear was just in the back, like his oh. boot or the back seat. And it was all just gone. So he literally had to just like come up, so like come to the train the next day and beg for to Guy Mansell, who was the property steward at the time, just for some extra kit. It was pretty, it was all entertaining. Everyone enjoyed it. And, and when you're a rookie too, like if, you, if you're Ben Cousins turning up and going, I need a training singlet, yeah, they flick you one. But when you're a rookie and you've lost your gear, it ain't a yeah. good start. You ain't getting too much for free. So we need yeah, to go. Not to mention the car. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the new car. That, and also, I suppose WA, they did give away a lot of free cars over here, but. Uh, the, the, the rookies um, were, were not often put in the Toyotas. But Mad Monday, mate, um, talking to Will Schofield, he said that you might have a story or two from Mad Monday. And then uh, there was brackets, uh, Bo Wilkes slash Bo Maystar v Nizzy. Oh, I actually probably not the best place to, to tell this story because I, I don't know too much about it. I don't think it was um, – it was early days. It was 06 – and we just, uh, we just, we obviously, well, I say we, the boys had just won the flag. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was just a mad Monday at, um, it was a pub in Netherlands, which I think now they've done it up pretty swank. It's like it's, same, it used yeah. to be, used to be quite a, a rundown joint. Anyway, and we, uh, day was fine. Like it was just your standard sort of, when I say standard mad Monday, like just the standard drinks, string games, everyone celebrating the win. There was nothing untoward. Nude with a dart inserted in your ass or something. Yeah, real real normal nah. sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, boys getting a bit boisterous, like young yeah. guys, um, you know, trying to show their strength and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's like his wrestling and stuff going on, all those stupid things that happen on Mad Monday. And then, um, and then, yeah, Bowie, Bowie Wilkes to a big chief, that we used to call him. So chief, um, I think he just uh, got a bit excited with like sort of the end of the day, like when everyone was getting a bit loud and he poured a pint on Nizzy's head. Trevor, Trevor um, Nisbet too, for those listening who, whenever West Coast have a blunder or a cock up or whatever, and it's really on your knees, Nizzy's the one who faces it. Over in WA, very well known. Um, I think he got voted the most powerful person in WA last year in front of the Premier. <laughs> <laughs> that was not a surprise. But yeah, this is going back 15 years ago and yeah. he was, you know, probably still, you know, arguably just as, you know, as influential in the community. So yeah. um, <laughs> anyway, so Chiefs poured the beer on his head and, you know, Nizzy, like, did not take kindly to it, was not caught up in the festivities. He basically, <laughs> like, bluntly turned to Chief and just said, uh, you know, he goes, Enjoy your last few days on the Eagles list. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, oh. and I think it was followed by like a remark of, you know, you, you better go home or something like that. Yeah. And that is absolutely stunned Chief Sober. And he's oh. put the glass down, gone straight home. Um, <laughs> Rumour has it he got up the next day and like went for a run and like called Wusher and like all these things. Because oh, um, he was a rookie at the time. He was second year rookie. And I yeah. think he was legitimately out of contract. Yeah. But, um, Fortunately, they kept him on the list and he played a few games and obviously went to uh, St Kilda and, and forged a bit of a career. But yeah. I've never seen a man go from 100 to zero so quickly, I suppose, which was uh, was quite an event. So. Did, did you have any time with Bo Dowler at uh, Hawthorne? I reckon you, did you miss Bo Dowler? I didn't play with Bo at, uh, at Hawthorne, but we oh, went Oakley through the boys. together. I played Metro with him. Uh, um, so Bo Dowler, uh, one day he was out of contract and Chris Fagan at the time was, uh, not, he was footy manager, you know, yeah, Fags was like the right hand man to Clarko and it, it doesn't matter what the title was. It was Clarko, Fags and then a scattering. 
there was a game where we played the last game of the round against Essendon, and um, and Bowie kicked two or three, whatever it was. It was so underman. I think it might have been the game Brad Sewell got his head crushed. Anyway, Bo, Bo Dowler, funniest bastard, like just simple, just but funny, uh, walks over to Fags and having the shoulder strut, the other shoulders are rocking back, out of contract. Hey, Fagan, you better put another zero on that contract, baby. <laughs> Got delisted three days later. <laughs> <laughs> this is coming from this. Some very infamous stories about Bobby Dowler at the Hawks and some of his, um, oh, I suppose, uh, intellect. But oh, Ruffy mate. tells them the best if anyone ever wants to bail Ruffy up. But um, the, like the ones where they tricked him that the plane's going faster, coming, returning downhill. from Bruce <laughs> downhill and, and ordering steaks in large, not medium, like medium <laughs> rare and stuff like Just stuff like that used to, it was like, does not surprise. But those who have crossbars and bowies, like heart of gold, can't oh. like do anything. What, one of the best guys ever. The, the steak story is a ripper at Thailand uh, 07 footy trip. The order goes around and it, it's like, you know when you go to Asian countries and it's like, eat, eat at the restaurants, don't, don't fuck around with food poisoning. Don't eat anything. You know, if you eat your um, steak medium rare, just, just go medium. You know, give, just give it a little bit extra to cook. It goes around the table. Everyone goes, steak and chips, steak and chips. Medium, 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 medium. Gets the Bowie down and goes, oh, you blokes are fuckwits. I'll have mine large, please. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was, uh, it was just so good. He, oh, yeah. No, no. Okay, he's, man who, um, you know, he's a few pennies short of a dollar sometimes, I think. In fairness to him, though, that, I think it was the flight when we said it was from Perth back home that we said it was quicker coming back because it was downhill. Uh, we played West Coast one night and there was a, 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 um, a cyclone sort of situation going on. And literally, we got home in two and a half hours. Like, we got thrown home. We'd all taken still knocks as we left and woke up. And they're like, off you go, guys. And I was like, holy shit, where am I? <laughs> like, the still knocks were still, like, rolling. My eyes were doing free spins. Um, so, yeah. in fairness to him... I didn't know how we got home so quickly. So uh, I might have had a little bit of the downhill theory going as well there for a while. Hey, um, no, that's fair. It's, um, it's funny you mentioned the, the still knocks thing. I mean, that was like such a strange, like it's funny how long ago we played footy. I know it seems ridiculous when we, yeah. we started, but um, like even the ability like, you were able, if you had a, for instance, if you were sick, um, you used to be able to take cold and flu on yeah. game day and things like that. Yeah. It was like the games changed so much in just so many little ways that, um, I suppose so many people aren't necessarily aware of, but, but I think back and like that's just absolutely crazy. Oh mate, amazing, isn't it? And even like um, the drug cabinet at at the footy clubs and stuff, because the the, the cold and flus and um, you know the panadols and all that sort of any inflams that you, you would have taken um, for a large period of your career, like they're just sitting there in the cabinet, and you'd go to the physio, hey mate, can I just quickly grab a box of any inflams? People abuse the system, and you're like. And then it's all under lock and key. You're like, why is all this shit under lock and key? I don't get it. And then now you look 15 years later and you go, yeah, I can kind of see where everything's under lock and key. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of maturity and a little bit more hindsight. Absolutely. The um, Mate, you've got a tattoo and you were really good at the uh, footy trips. You, what was your best footy trip? I always get asked that question and ask the guests. What was your best footy trip? Um, West Coast were really good at the footy trips. They did a couple of good ones. Um, yeah, the Mexico one was pretty good in 2010. Yeah. Probably the best one we 
was uh, yeah, it was Sydney and Thailand in 2011. There was a small cohort, but um, yeah, it was pretty good fun. We all had a good time. Uh, the tattoo on your on your foot, you, you and and yeah, and, and you, you're a, you're a, you're not a clean skin, but like you, you're never going to get a sleeve and all that sort of stuff. But you've got a tattoo on the base of your foot, which if I and I don't have tattoos, and I admit I'm just too much of a pussy. You've got one underneath the bottom of your foot. How did that come about and what is it? Yeah, it's uh, – yeah, look, if I, I want to start this whole story, it's probably, you know, regrets is, is up there. You know, there's lots of things I would have done differently yeah. in life if on reflection. This is highly on the list. This yeah. uh, is high up there. But we – yeah, it was um, – it was Thailand. It was, you know, your classic full moon party. And like, I kind of always wanted to get a tattoo. I don't know why. I was a young man at that time, like early 20s. And yeah. just thought, you know, I, I thought they were trendy or whatever. And just Was it West Coast one. or Sydney? This was Sydney. Yeah. And um, my first year at the Swans. And I never actually... So I was always, like, interested. Um, and then uh, and then at the full moon party, because it's Thailand, there's bloody tattoo parlors next to the bar, because why not? Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then I saw a couple of other players, you know, getting one. I was like on the bottom of their foot. I was like, what a great like gateway <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> Cause if I hate it, like who cares? Just you know, like, that was kind of, that's my logic going through my brain at that point in time. You know, unfortunately, regrettably, I'd probably had too many drinks. Obviously yeah. I was thought more logically about it, but we, um, but yeah, so a couple of us sat down and then. They're like, what are you going to get? And like the other guys just got like stand, like really random, like sort of sayings that had been thrown around the club that year. And I was like, oh, I'll get on board that train. So I put the word washed, you know, <laughs> on the bottom of my foot because um, well, effectively it's because, you know, Swans were just made up of all recycled players. Yeah. used to laugh that were washed up. And um, that was kind of an in-house joke. Anyway, and then, uh, yeah, so got it. Didn't think anything of it. And, you know, couple of days later, like, you know, I was like, ha, oh, how funny, whatever. It'll wear off. It's on the bottom of my foot. Little did I know I've got incredibly high arches. You know, fast forward <laughs> eight years, it's still there. It hasn't come off at all. I was like, far out. Like, just so dumb. Oh, mate. And you, you <laughs> but, oh, okay, no, as you said, it's, it didn't wear off. Say, you know, no, sorry, sorry, Doc. But the, uh, I was going to say that I wasn't the worst. There was a couple other guys who got it in visible spots. So I came out somewhere in the middle in terms of, you know, bad decisions of that evening, but my God, silly! I don't recommend it. That surprises me because you—you're a bit of the voice of reason. For you to get even coaxed in to get washed on the bottom of your foot, I can only imagine uh, the state you might have been in. You know, they go, "Have you been drinking for a tattoo?" And you're like, no, nah, nah, I haven't been. I reckon you would have been absolutely cross-eyed seeing Kumbaya by the time you got in there. Yeah, and like, even after I got it, I thought, like. I still thought it was a great idea. Yeah, like, it was like it was just yeah, you know, I was so committed, and like it's just so dumb. Who, who, who was with you? Uh, so a couple of like so Craig Bird, Nathan Gordon, Campbell Heath. They were they were the ones that yeah. joined us and thing. And yeah, there's a few. Um, but like so Nipper Gordon and, and Birdies, you know, wore off in um, like by the end of the time in Thailand. Low like, arches. They, they just barefoot, yeah. And then, but Cambo got his on top of his foot. And so that was going nowhere. And he was just like, God, such an idiot. <laughs> hey, well, I'll ask you about a footy trip. Um, I've got two more West Coast uh, stories. And one is 
You've got a, so you got a Facebook group when you were prime Hawthorne called Sir Matt Spanger. You, you were absolute cult hero. So much so when you won the flag in 2014, the crowd was chanting for you to speak before anyone else. Like you were the one would. You're like, you've turned up to a par five on a golf course and you're like, I'm fucking laying this up. Give me the driver. <laughs> you were the driver in Hawthorne's bloody golf bag. But uh, I'll go with um, a Macca's at Brooklyn. You're a hero. So you, you're Sir Matt Spanger. But the, orig- the initial signs that you were a hero were at a Brooklyn McDonald's. Is that ringing any yeah. alarm bells for you? And, and I must say that you're the most peaceful person I've ever met in my life. But what happened at the Maccas in Brooklyn? Yeah, well, I know who you've got the story from, by the way. So this has to be easy. No, I never reveal my sources. <laughs> So we were, um, yeah, we were just over there. I can't remember. It was 20, 2000, I think 2010. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and like, we just gone out for a night in New York and, um, and it actually like, we we're, you know, standard sort of bar stuff, like nothing. It was pretty tame in the scheme of yeah. the evenings. And then um, we went to, um, we basically on the way home, I was, you know, a bit peckish and found myself in a McDonald's in Brooklyn just trying to get a, a late night feed. We've all been there. Yeah. And uh, and I ordered and I just stood to the side and waited. And then, um, and some guy then came up uh, like behind me and like demanded that his thick shake be ready. And then <laughs> um, I was like, well, geez, this has escalated like out of nowhere, you know. Um, <laughs> And he was really, like, really rude. And then eventually, like, they gave it to him and he took a sip and then he threw it on the counter. Um, and it obviously sprayed up to, you know, everyone around. All including over the, everyone, yeah. The, yeah, the checkout person. Um, and the, the checkout person was uh, was an African-American woman and she, uh, and he started just calling her all the inappropriate things, including, you know, the worst of yeah. things. Yes. Um. And I'd wear a little bit of Dutch courage or just, you know, the person who I was like, I cannot stand for that. <laughs> and uh, and so I just got in his face and then he obviously came at me. Like he was, you know, on another planet himself. On the and then he took or something. A, yeah, then he took a swing and then, um, I, like he definitely was, you know, intoxicated because it was pretty much coming in slow motion. <laughs> and then, uh, and me thinking, being the big hero, yeah, like just retaliated and then and then put him and like, and then he was on the ground. I didn't, I didn't like, do anything untoward or anything like no. that, like just push back. Um, and he fell on the ground and then like, then he got off, like got up from that and just um, stormed off and got the big standing ovation from the, uh, <laughs> from the Brooklyn Mackers. Mackers at like one in the morning. <laughs> anyway, and then they gave me my cheeseburger for free. I felt like, felt feeling like an absolute hero. Like, um, but you but were- I get, at no point did I, do I condone probably my response, but uh, I was pretty happy how it all panned out in the end. And you can read between the lines that um, he slipped on his he slipped on his thick shake, and you got the the standing ovation which you deserve because a lot of people wouldn't have done anything, and um, and I'm sure that's one of you, one of your absolute strengths. You you often would be someone who'd stand up for injustice, and on that night that uh, the racist uh, the racist got got. Now on that trip, I think it was that trip. Were you buying basketball shorts everywhere you went? <laughs> Jeez, Easy must be born in Switzerland if he's giving you all these stories. <laughs> so yeah, me, um... me and Easy, we, we chat to each other a lot. Uh, Eric McKenzie, who was robbed of all Australia in 2014, and I'll die on that mountain. Um, we, we talk a lot of shit. 
And it was good to it was good to <laughs> yeah. hit him up with a text message in Switzerland. He's, he, he's um, studying a course over in in Switzerland at the moment with his wife and, and beautiful daughter. But it was good for me to hit him up with an actual message needing something, not like, hey man, how's the weather? <laughs> like, hey, I've got Spang. Tell me about your time at West Coast together. Tell me about the basketball yeah, shorts. Man. And then it, I think it ended in you ending in Sydney on the same trip or something. Yeah, so yeah, we were going around um we, went, we had a fascination with visiting colleges. I don't know whether it was sort of a, a dream that, you know, if we weren't playing footy, that we'd like to attend an American college and be punters or oh, something 100%. like that. Oh, 100%. Fascinated with the, with the campus. So we'd never seen anything like it. I'm with you. Um, yeah. So we like we it started off kind of, we just thought we'd go visit UCLA because um, we're in LA. And then, um, and then everywhere we went, it was quite a mammoth trip, actually. We hit quite a few states and just happened to have quite a few well-known to, to us. Uh, colleges of America. So then we, um, yeah, we end up just co- like collecting basketball shorts because you're like, oh well, that's something we can wear. Uh, it's easy, you know, comfortable. Like, they're comfy. <laughs> like, I sleep in them. I'd sleep yeah. in my Texas Longhorn shorts every night. <laughs> yeah, they're amazing. So <laughs> we, um, so we accumulated quite a fair few. Uh, I probably like half a dozen on the trip or whatever. And um, and so this was the yeah, end of 2010. So I'd actually just been delisted from the Eagles and yeah. didn't officially have anywhere to to go uh, at like club wise. So I came back to Melbourne from the trip in the States and it was about, a, I think it was about two weeks roughly before the draft. And yeah. I had enough at mum and dad's um, in Melbourne. So I was actually trained with the Hawks as like a, you know, delisted player. Was I there? So I had enough. I would have been there. Yeah, you would have been there. Yeah. So I had, um, so I had enough kit and I had a pair of boots and stuff. So I didn't need to go back to Perth and get all my stuff. I was like, I'll just, yeah. I'll sort of that out after the draft. Yeah. And then um, and then luckily enough did get picked up because I thought I'm only I'm training with Hawthorne. The only one that's gonna be would be with the Hawks, it appears. Like I hadn't spoken to a, too many other clubs. Oh, that's fine. I do of course yeah. I remember it all. Yeah. Sure, mate. No, no, and, I, no, uh, no, I actually do now. Now I, I thought the first time I've got twenty uh twelve end of twenty twelve and so you were there twice. No, I do I do remember. Yeah. And so I, uh, anyway, and then luckily enough, got drafted by the Swans. But, you know, the turnaround uh, these days to get, you know, from A to B, once you get drafted, is pretty quick. So I didn't have enough time to to go to Perth from Melbourne and then back to Sydney. Um, so effectively, I just had my, um, all I had was the kit that <laughs> I had. Basketball shorts. Basketball <laughs> <laughs> shorts. Because, uh, um, yeah, because like all my other kit was just back home, back in Perth. So I, I think my first like six weeks of the Swans, I just wore basketball shorts. Like, <laughs> I would have thought I was the biggest nuffy. <laughs> Who is this guy? So, he thinks he's Manu Ginobili. What is he doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So, uh, but hey, it uh, it was sufficient enough for the time, and then I eventually went back to Perth and got all my stuff. So you you've won a flag. Well, you were there at West Coast when they won a flag. You moved to Sydney. Who, who grabbed you at your wedding? You had. Reece Shaw, Teddy Richards, and those guys, those guys there, um, obviously really well-known players. Who at Sydney took you under the wing? And and it was a, it was a short sort of stop, but again, Sydney won another premiership. So it's not like you look at players who who draw up 150, 200 games or whatever, but they've spent time at shit clubs. You're like, you wouldn't have played 20 at a good club. So you've gone from premier to premier, and then obviously you end at premier, premier, premier. Uh, Sydney, tell me about the experience. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm lucky enough. I enjoyed, I'd say, holistically enjoyed my whole time in the AFL. Don't yeah. get me wrong. There's definitely some times where I absolutely hated it and was hating what was happening in terms of injuries and stuff. But uh, in terms of my time 
at the Swans. I loved it. It was probably the most injured I've been in terms of output, but the club itself is awesome. And you speak about guys who sort of took me under their wing. Um, yeah, like Reece Shaw, certainly. So I lived with Shaw for my first year yeah. there um, and loved it. Like, um, I'm funny you talk about like guys whose reputation precede them before they come in. You know, I'd heard about, you know, the Rat Pack and stuff oh, in yeah. days. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was probably painfully aware that, you know, I need to get my act together, you know, just being delisted 23. Like yeah. this isn't, let's not stuff around time. And um, I was like, and all, and you've shacked me up with Reece Shaw. Like that's who the club <laughs> sort of associated me with. I was like, I'm destined to fail, but I could yeah. have been more the other way. Yeah. Like it was, um, it was so professional, so like, so welcoming, not just in the home, but then also at the club, I like, made sure I was across it. It's amazing. So, um, so players like himself, yeah, certainly um, like Teddy was at the wedding, but um, had a really good relationship. Like Sam Reid um, couldn't come to the wedding early or last year, but um, really close with, with Sam yeah. as well. So, uh, and I mentioned Birdie before. Um, so those guys were were pretty close. And like even like Trent Dennis Lane and, and Brett Meredith, like we had a pretty good cohort yeah. of, uh, of close mates. It's funny, uh, and I've run into a, a quite a few Sydney people over the journey and not in footy environments, but socially, you know, you randomly run into them overseas or you run into the races or you run into them. They're always good lads. Like, mm-hmm. a, a bit of the no dickhead policy flowed through Sydney pretty thick, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not sure if every club has this, but Sydney was the first club that I ever came or I became aware of it where the, the leaders are, were consulted on bringing players in if yeah, they right. were in the AFL system already. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if they still do that, but they had a, a leadership group of 10 and they, you know, they were pretty, pretty open and honest with us. And yeah. um, it's, I think geography plays a strong part in like in the bond they have up there. I mean, most people are not from Sydney who come and play AFL for obvious reasons. Yeah. So um, there's definitely that, uh, it removes that issue, issue from, you know, inverted commas of um, a players you might want to hang out with their local mates or yeah, whoever yeah. it might be like breakaways. It's very much like you go there, you don't really know anyone else, and then, but they really do embrace you. So, um, and they've also got, uh, they don't, well, they, when I was there, they didn't have any, um, uh, they were pretty much when you first get there, you have to live with a player. It wasn't like you go live with a family or anything like that. Yeah. So, I think that helps you keep you involved as well. Um, but yeah, they're, they're ripping fellas. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of them now for a long time for, you know, because everything, a lot of them have stuck around there actually and, and yeah. stayed in Sydney. But, um, but yeah, really, really good, good group of guys. So they won the flag and talking about um, you know, yeah, indifferences and um, wrongs. Uh, so 2012, you were at, at Sydney. Now, if you replay that game 100 times, we win it 99 times out of 100. I've never been involved in a game where you win 25 clearances plus, 25 inside 50s plus, all that sort of shit. What were the, uh, what was the celebrations like uh, with the Swan? I'm only, I'm only joking there for the Swan supporters. Um, what was it like... Yeah, you obviously missed again in a in a flag. You think you played six games at the Swannies over your, over your period with injuries and stuff. Uh, what what was it like? And were you bitter or were you just like, uh, look, I wasn't close. I'm I'm glad to be involved. How were the celebrations in another premiership? Yeah, that one. Um, like I've spoken to someone else about this semi recently. Of all the grand finals, probably that's the one that hurt the most to not be part of. So. Yeah. Certainly my, the one at the Eagles, my first year, you know, I'm injured the whole year, but couldn't have been further from it anyway. Yeah. Like just <laughs> was honoured to even just be, you know, in the same room, like, and yeah. actually get a front row seat kind of thing. Um, and 
Whereas Sydney, yeah, like my output at Sydney, like by numbers, when you look at it, is not much. As you said, six games, but eight, eight goals. Yeah, yeah, it was probably the I'd, I'd switch from defence to forward actually at the Swans, yeah. So, um, which kind of just came about because when you when we we're playing Nefal, we just needed to sort of shift around a bit to get a bit more of the ball. Like some of the teams we played back then weren't as competitive as I think they are now in that comp. So um, we. I enjoyed my time forward, but my first, my six games came in, in 2011, like the year they, year before we won the flag, and yeah. it was certainly the back end, and was really starting to, to actually like be almost a when I say staple, like you know guys felt confident with me in the side, and it's probably yeah. the first time in my career I'd, I'd had that feeling. Now that sounds ridiculous off six games, and I'm sure if you speak to someone else, they might have a, a different reality, but like, that's certainly how I felt at the time. And um, before you keep and going, also, I know like it's it's so true in AFL. There's probably ten players who, week by week, are the absolute certainties, the, the ten stars, and then there's probably five or six that you work your ass off to get into. And when you're in the five or six that you're not the star, but they have confidence in you, training, all that sort of, it makes the world a difference in your life, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And there's so many. It's funny now, like so many telltale signs. You know. Um, like if you're in that cohort and you're a little bit sore at training on Thursday or Friday, they'll go, 100. don't worry about training. hundred percent. Um, whereas if you're just like, you need to get through this session. <laughs> you're like, I think I've got a torn calf. You need to get through this session. You're like, man, what the fuck am I going to do? I've got a torn calf. You're telling me to train. I'm going to play on Sunday. What is happening? So I, it was the first time I played finals too. Like we played two finals in 2011 as well. And like, I went okay, like, you know, done by no means, you know, setting the world on fire. But, um, yeah, and so that was sort of 2011. It ended well and, like, came back and yeah. was really buoyant about 2012. And my uh, started, like, I reckon January, sort of Jan, Feb, somewhere around then, I tore my hamstring in pre-season training and, like, really significantly, like a 16-week hammy yeah. kind of thing. Bang. Um, and, uh, and I'd never done one to that extent before. and. I didn't really know what to do. Like, um, it's kind of like one of those ones where, you know, a little bit, little bit deeper, and you know, they're talking surgery yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. So, yeah. Um, I uh, it took me ages to even just get back on the park, and then got back on. Uh, played a few games. Uh, it was emergency a couple of times in the season, um, and then tore my hamstring again, and then repeated that towards the back end of the year, and was really getting close. Uh, and then was picked for you know the. Yeah, when in the grand final, for those who aren't aware, like they'll pick a squad of probably thirty to train for the week, yeah. um, right? and it's effectively you know the guys who are close, other than the twenty-two. Yeah. Um, and so I was in that squad, which you know it was nice to be a part of that, um, but I really hurt. I've been not been a part of that one, and it's um, yeah, it's really it was it was interesting because I'd never had that feeling before. Obviously, the last time um, that I was part of a, a premiership winning squad. I was, just, as I said, I was just happy to be there, and I, I probably didn't realise that there were players who would feel that way. And I now, like, certainly, some come to mind, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying, but like Martin Koski was one of those ones who was at the Eagles in 2006, who, yeah. um, who was absolutely in the 22, but then had a horrific ankle injury, and then um, really did his best to try and get back, but just ran out of time to get back in the in the team. Yeah, um, and. Uh, and he was just like, he just found it really difficult to, I think, to celebrate with the guys knowing, you know, how close he actually was. And that's sort of how I felt at the Swans. And it's probably the only 
kind of blight on the Swans is that they didn't truly make a concerted effort to like get around the whole squad. Yeah. Um, that year, um, they whether intentionally or not, it seemed to be more about the twenty-two. And I am by no means the hardest luck story of that that year by any stretch. Mm. But the easy one is Ben McGlynn, you know, who misses out. Did he um, did a hammy? Yeah, did a hammy yeah. in the first final. Um, and uh, you know, and he was yeah absolutely playing every week. So there's definitely guys who. Um, but then, you know, then there's some terrific stories as well. Like for every bad story, there's you know a dozen good ones. You know, yeah. so. Um, but that actually, that really, uh, that was an interesting time, and um, probably learned a bit about yourself about how you actually react to some of those things. So, funnily enough, like the next year when uh, you know part of it again actually close and was an emergency for 2013. Yeah, don't get me wrong, it, it you prefer to be out there, but I made sure I I didn't make it about my sorrow. Like I made a concerted effort to to get around guys who I know who are close as well. And especially if you're one who's close and you've got a positive attitude, it certainly filters down. So that was kind of the way I attacked the next year. And then funnily enough, got my opportunity year after that. And 20, 2013, and this is probably why uh, I respect Simo so much and ended up coming to West Coast. That um, 2013, I played 2012 grand final, got injured, got injected with some stuff, didn't play 13. Uh, and that night, it just broke my heart like I was sitting there I was well behaved obviously cheering on the ground da 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 and Simo just came over to me and said mate this has got to be tearing your heart out and I was like it fucking is and he goes I reckon you just sneak off mate just get just go because I was you know I just started dating him and he's like mate just just go hang out with your mates I reckon because the team hadn't turned up and he goes just get out and I was like fuck I'm going to so I grabbed my salmon my main course Chucked me salmon fillet in the inside of me suit jacket. And then I went out. <laughs> I went out and caught my mates. And they're like, what are you doing? And what's that smell? And I was on the dance floor <laughs> just picking at my bloody salmon fillet out of my inside of my pocket. The teriyaki salmon that was served up at Crown or whatever. But that was like, you went through it in uh, 12. And, and for mine, you don't want to spoil it and be an asshole for anyone. And don't want to be the spoiled brat. And you don't want to look come across like a dick. But it tears the absolute loot inside out of you, and Simo just saying, "I just, just go, mate. Like seriously." And I wasn't, wasn't. He literally single, didn't came to me and didn't. I wasn't putting on a scene or anything. Um, and I was like, "You're right. If, if you can con- not control yourself, but conduct yourself in a manner where you join in, you're excited for your friends." I, I, I said to someone, "It's like watching your best mate kiss your sister." You're like, you don't want anyone to kiss your sister. Stay away. But you know your best mate's a good bloke, and you're like. How do I get involved in this to be like comfortable? <laughs> um, so yeah. you come to Hawthorne. How did that come about? Uh, well, the man, my manager, rang me um, and just said, uh, "There's not like Hawthorne are interested." There was no, there was no deal on the table at that stage. But that was kind of as the season was wrapping up in 2012. He said, "Just letting you know, like Hawthorne have, have made inquiries." Um, like okay, like I'm happy here. Let's see what happens. Wait and see. I'd rather stay at the Swans, you know, off the back of a flag as well. You yeah. know, you're always keen to stick around. Um, and I, uh, but there was no contract on the table, and I was under no. Like, I mean, let's face it, mate. Like I was 25 at the time. I played like 30 odd games, I reckon, and yeah. um, injury riddled. Um, you know, 
I would you would have no hard feelings to suspect that that would have been it for me. Yeah, um, and you're not a fool. And uh, yeah, exactly right. So, um, and to their credit, the Swans, uh, like in their review, uh, Horse said, you know, Spang, I know it's not the year that you you'd hope you'd had, and stuff like that. I know you're worried about the contracts up, but we're you know we're keen to keep you on for one more year. And I was like, unreal, like yeah. that is best news ever like happy days and you're not um, after money like it's not it's not a money issue it's a spot issue like yeah absolutely yeah. oh no i don't think uh i mean you don't have to be you don't have to be across footy too much to know mate i was never in a position to be negotiating for, for well, big contracts either, either was i essentially like you just literally were like you can have two years like sold what's it for yeah you, you, you didn't, know, yeah, didn't exactly ask for right. figures you yeah. just asked for years <laughs> exactly so i um so first things first, like, you know, you just sort of enjoy it, like take a moment. And then, um, you know, once the dust settles a bit, you start the thing logistics. So I rang, rang my manager, just let him know what the meet, what came of the meeting and just said, hey, this is case. So, you know, go do your thing in terms of getting the contract or whatever. Yeah. Like, as you said, like, <laughs> I can't imagine he much had much bargaining power, but he would <laughs> at least just email me the contract to sign or something. Um, but then uh, he said, yeah, no worries. And then like a day later, he rang me back and said, oh, mate, Hawthorne are actually going to offer you two years if you yeah. want it. Um, and so I like gave it some thought. And, like, and honestly, the decision purely just came down to the fact I just needed more time in the game to get my body right. There yeah. was um, like, there was no more science or, or malice or decision-making behind it. I, I definitely had lost faith in um, my, own, my own ability and probably felt I needed a fresh start like, physically. Um, but... Uh, having said that, would obviously, as we sort of alluded to, we've stayed with the Swans for sure. But um, and I said, okay, like, yeah, think about it. And then um, I think what cemented it was when just having a frank conversation with with Clarko actually about it when uh, when they sort of, well, we obviously ring and do your due diligence about the club and things like that. And he just was, uh, uh, he said openly, mate, we're looking to get another key defender. Um, so you'll likely be... Uh, you know, backup, but we see you playing forward and back coming in for, yeah. for Bud and this other person. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like that's probably where I was at at the Swans anyway. Um, get another year, move back, benefits of that. Um, at the time, I didn't know the person they were talking about was Brian Lake coming in, but yeah. um, you know, quality player, Norm, obviously. Windsor Norm Smith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the other one's probably the the other the greatest footballer of the modern generation. Yeah, the, that, go- the goat, the Norm Smith. <laughs> <laughs> so certainly no hard feelings about where I sat in terms of team selection. Um, but the uh, but it's funny that uh, I think I just, at that point in my career, still was, yeah, I said 25, like I probably just needed someone to tell me where I was at yeah. like, and what the year held. And funnily enough, like, and you know, like, some of the guys at the Hawks are some of the best in the business, you know, Andrew Russell and, and Bart in terms of the physios and stuff there, uh, like they're pretty finely tuned when it comes to yeah. what the athlete needs. And so they were great. And, um, and I also went into the, every game at Box Hill that year that I was picked for, for the twos, just knowing that that's where I was going to be. It wasn't like, shit, let's fingers crossed. I get picked for selection this week, yeah. you know, and then you're flat for a little bit and you've got to get yourself up. Like I actually just knew that I was a box hill player with the added benefit of potentially playing yeah. uh, for the Hawks that year. And, um, and best thing that ever happened to me, had a great coach, Damien Carroll at box hill. And, He's a ripper. Uh, Absolute ripper. Yeah. A ripper. And we had, I look back at that team that we had box hill then like phenomenal team, you know, like we were lucky enough to win the flag that yeah. year as well. So like you put all that on top of it. 
um, well, our, our, pretty much our backline was, you know, very much a fucking like premiership backline, yeah, know, a couple of years down the track. Like it was, um, it was really, really good and, um, and loved playing down there. And I mean, one of your mates, one of our mates, you know, Kyle Cheney, <laughs> Taylor Jarrett and stuff. Like, how could you not love playing footy with those guys every week in the back line down there? And then uh, I was lucky enough to play, you know, a few games that year, playing four that year. Um, Fair enough. One, one giving Gibbo a chop out, I think he took a break. I rested one game early in the year and then the final, the back end of the year, I played... Um, played forward and actually played another final. So I played the first final. Yeah. We played Sydney, won convincingly. Um, right. And then you talk about Simo, like another ripping bloke with another good relationship. And this is kind of where I was at, but where the coaches were at, I think, as well. He's like, Spang, great job on the weekend. You know, did your job, X amount of marks, a couple of goals, whatever. He's like, but Bud's back this week, so you're not playing. Yeah. And I was like, cool. Like, I'm not – I don't need you to tell me I'm a chance when I'm clearly not. Like yeah. – um, Awesome. You know, so you're like, sweet, go back. And we had, we were playing finals for Box Hill. Like, I need to get my head in that space to play well. And um, so I really appreciated that. And it was probably the most consistent year of footy I'd, I'd put together to that point in my career, which sounds ridiculous, yeah. seven years in or whatever. I was talking to Dill Buckley, actually. It's funny. You just yesterday and you're saying, I asked him what Leon Cameron was good at. And he goes, he was just honest. It wasn't like, he's just honest. He, he, he wouldn't say to you, like, as you said, Simo, Matt, you need to go back to Box Hill and get you need to work on your contested ball and your tackling. So you turn up to the VFL or State League, you're like, I'm going to tackle my fucking ass out today. It's just like, you're not better than Buddy Franklin. And that's mm. it. And it's just so obvious. Like, don't spin the shit in the web that um, I need to work on a certain part of my game. Unless I become a champion overnight, I'm not playing. I get it. But Damien Carroll, mm. the coach, was saying, uh, reading to him uh, at the start of the season, and he's saying he actually loved the year. I didn't play in the, the granny or anything like that with you guys, but would turn up me, you, Cheens, and you know, Grimmers and those sort of guys. And it was fun. Like we used to do those mm. Friday fun games and take the piss. And uh, it, it's the attitude, I reckon, that made, not made Hawthorne, but like it flowed on. Like the, you, you weren't despising what was going on above you. Um, rehab was hard. There's no doubt about that. But it, it, they're really the Friday sessions where we used to do games and stuff, the senior players, the AFL stars, wanted to join the VFL group. And you're like, no, nah, mate. <laughs> this ain't your yeah. time. You, you can go do your shit and get paid for it. We're here doing our little games. It was, it was a good, good, fun group of players. The, um, the, so you missed 13, um, and I, I left at the end of 13 and moved to WA. But during 13, you had some injuries as well at the same time. I did, and, and we did do everything to the letter of the law, and we did it for a long time throughout. You were injured for you know, same, same amount as I was. We missed a shitload of games injured. And we had one period of time where we just thought, no, nah, bugger it, let's do the reverse program. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd bring this up. <laughs> you're, you're much smarter than I am. Uh, there's a science to it. Can you explain what the reverse program is? Oh, it's effectively just, uh, well... I don't know how I'd articulate this to make us sound like we're actually responsible people. There's probably no, no don't, way to do no, it. No, there's no. Just do it how we did it on the day, <laughs> on the year. Yeah, but effectively it was do the rehab, work hard, and then instead of, um, you know, looking after your body, body or temple, that sort of time, it was like, let's just go have, you know, a session at the pub on Saturday after <laughs> rehab and watch the footy. That was it. Like, that was as much as I did. And the whole point was that, you know, 
ease of mind, like relax the mind and then, uh, you know, and then talk some dribble and, and kind of like talk all the frustrations away and then come back, do your job again Monday. So like that was kind of the, the methodology of it. Um, maybe it worked for one of us and not not so much for yourself. Maybe, <laughs> I know you had it. <laughs> and I actually do remember though, because uh, we came back from it and then like you got back in the ones and um, and I think you were probably sub a couple of times back then from what I can remember. Um, but the uh, I was like, oh, I'm so jealous of lost my reverse program, buddy. <laughs> it really was. So, so we, we worked our ass off in, in did the rehab and we'd done the whole um, train, ice, you know, water, bed early, eat well for years on years on years on years. And then we just ended up saying, nah, we're going to do this yeah. reverse program and we train hard and we do what we had to do with training and work our ass off. But then on a Saturday, we'd head to a pub, and this is where you come in because I was a, a country boy slash um, inner city sort of person, and you couldn't just go to your normal establishments. It needed to be something a bit grungy, something that no one you could stand there nude and no one would have a clue who you were. <laughs> and this is where you were prime time. It was like we were going to Fitzroy, all this. And I know now when you say those places, it's like, oh mate, we've been on there for years. But this is. A long, like it wasn't popping like it is now these days. And we were in some yeah. of the, we we found it harder to find a pub with the footy on, like we could not yeah. find one anywhere. And then we'd finally lob into to establishments. <laughs> well, one of my one of my favourite ones, which I'm lucky enough I don't live too far from now, not that we can really use it, is the Rose Hotel, which has been um, it's been done up a bit now. But yeah, back then, mate, it was, oh, it was a shithole, like for lack yeah. of a better term, like. Um, the most exciting thing about the pub was that it had a photo of Richo pulling a beer <laughs> when he used to work there. You know, like. yeah. <laughs> but, like, but yeah, man, I enjoyed it. Like, it's funny, like you talk about, um, like I've obviously got some great fond memories from football, of, you know, on the field and stuff. But look, that's like those sorts of things. I know as ridiculous as it sounds. Like, sounds stupid, doesn't I it? Yeah, I just, I'd, like I've got moments like that probably through every club I've played at. Like, yeah. not necessarily program moments but just little things like that with you know one other player on the list that is just you two and i know everyone could have that about any like any moment in time with any friend but it just was always a special time i even I, i'm still even picturing those pubs where you go mate can we get the footy on and they'd be like oh yeah the footy um shit uh, right and they'll go pull out the remote and go <sighs> like they haven't changed the channel for 15 years they're like these two want to put the footy on or something, guys. Do you mind? And everyone's like, oh, there's a TV there. That's cool. Um, <laughs> nah, it was bloody good fun. Uh, so I'll keep punching on uh, annuity, the annuity payments. We, we, we <laughs> So this is a shocker. We weren't signing contracts. We were signing annuity deals, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we're earning more from our retirement scheme <laughs> per year than we're <laughs> So for those that don't know, if you play footy, I think it is it 20 grand goes in an account a year? Yeah, roughly that. So this, this is our um, um, Spang and I. We were paid with, with a lot lower end of the pay, which which we loved and not loved. We would love being paid more, but like just you just is what it is. Uh, so we joke we used to joke around, didn't we? In terms of when you're signing contracts, we weren't signing years on the Hawthorne list or whatever. We're signing annuity payments. How many annuity payments we got? Which meant they banked up, and then when you retired in five years' time, then it was drip fed back to you to set up to, to help you out post football, but. You and I, spent, it was more about how many annuity deals you could get under our belts rather than how many games we're going to play. <laughs> exactly right. I remember 
like when they every now and then the AFLPA comes around right and like they the financial advisors sit you down and like you split up into your player age groups because you're talking about uh, like they've got to give you different advice based yeah. on like where you are in your career and like uh, I remember it's like yeah blokes 10 plus go sit over there and I'm like next to, to Mitch and Hodgie yeah. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> I'm, like, we're on very different payment schemes here boys <laughs> <laughs> you and me were the ones asking the question so a compound interest on this and then if we can divide it by this how does this happen here and then in terms of this Mitchell and those guys like oh, fuck, 20 grand whatever but you and I, oh, like, we treasured that fund like it was our life. It was unbelievable. Oh, it was incredible. I think we even, um, I remember one day we sort of sat in the chain rooms and gave like unofficial kudos to the list of other annuity schemers out there in the <laughs> AFL. That's right, like... the top 10 annuity funds. The, the, those top 10 who have just hung around forever. And at the end, they'll <laughs> live for 15 years off this little boost that they get, but they played bugger all games. Did we end, did we settle on Daniel Curry from uh, Yeah, Daniel Curry we said was probably the, the champion, but like Luke Loudon wouldn't have been far behind. Yeah, Speak Sticks, yeah, you're right. There, there was some real annuity champions. Most of them were Ruckman. <laughs> but, yeah, most of them Ruckman. <laughs> mate, so it'd be remiss. So let's talk about twenty fourteen. Fifteen games, most of your your career turns in yearly. Um Hawthorne won a flag. You're in, you're amongst it. And you're, you're a premiership player after such a long bloody hustle. Like, you look at, for example, Brad Hill, gun, best and fairest winner, da da da. But lands in, finds a position, wins three flags, disappears. You hustle. Tell us about 2014. And, like, in terms of stories of 2014, there's, you know, Franklin v. Sydney and all that sort of stuff. But the messages I was getting on Instagram and stuff, it was like, you were the story of 2014 because of the journey as opposed to the, the, the player. Um, tell us about fourteen. Yeah, for I mean, it's funny you mentioned Hilly riders. Right? It's probably an apt uh, comparison of like polarizing careers because yeah. Hilly and I actually played our fiftieth game together. Yeah, same there you day. go. Um, I was what was I like nine years in or something, and you were going great. And he was yet to shave. Flag. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. So, um, no, honestly, twenty fourteen was was terrific. I mean, the year itself was was. Uh, like had its challenges as well. Like, so no surprises started the year injured in itself and then um, got a pretty horrific injury on my ankle playing at Gold Coast and missed uh, missed 10 weeks. Um, I think it was eight games because of a few buys. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was like, bloody hell, like going to have to come through the twos. You know, I'm certainly not the player that comes straight back into the ones or anything like that. Yeah. And then just so have it that we had a pretty big run of injuries with our tools. So I think um, Gibbo was out and then Lakey was out. And I think even Strats might've been out this week. And um, and no, that Clarko was out. It was, uh, right, Clarko was, was sick that yeah. year. And, um, and so Boltz was the coach and it was Boltz's second game as um, as coach who just, his first one was against the Giants who weren't that good back then. And we just beat them. Uh, by a couple of points in the rain at the G yeah. and pretty much only won the game because of Angus Liverland was unbelievable. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, the, um, and then they're like, we just like Bolts was on to get a bit of heat to make sure like we cover the, the West coast halls. Cause yeah. obviously, you know, still full team right? And And um, he's like, mate, I need, like, can you, you reckon you're up to playing this week? Like, I reckon you can you come straight in. I was like, I've never come straight in. This is the high life. This is like, go, this is like flying overseas. And not have to worry about paying for a business ticket. Like you're like, I'm that, yeah. I'm that rich, baby. I fly business permanently. That is the joy of getting selected, 
like from injury. Oh, it's, you talk. We sort of touched on before, you know, like the the rare feelings of when you feel like you got confidence. Like, yeah. I was like, wow, okay, great. Like, and lo and behold, probably like one of the best games I've played against like my old team. You know, which was down in Tassie. Yeah, um, played really well. Excuse me, and then from there it was kind of a little bit set. Like they were. Certainly played the next week and then played a good, like a really solid block of four yeah. in a row where um, it got to the point where it's like, well, you're not coming out. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is this is what it feels like again. You know, I haven't had this feeling for a while. And then, um, but, and yeah, and then the... Sorry, as, a, yeah. as a defender, sorry, the feeling when the defensive coach or Clark or someone comes to you on a Monday or Tuesday and goes, oh, Spang, we're thinking this player this week. And you're like, oh, yes. I don't care who you tell. <laughs> I don't care if you say Wayne Carey, but shit, yeah, that means I'm playing. Like that, remember that feeling yeah. when they when they highlight a matchup early, and you're like, "Oh my god, I'm not even like they haven't done team selection yet, so I can't be dropped." They, they've they've identified yeah. a player I'm playing on. That that's the feeling you're running with. Oh, it's amazing. Like, and, and you know, just a quick diversion. Like, the, there's the the opposite side of it where if you're not picked, they literally avoid you in the corridors, like head down as you're walking past. Or I've, I've seen an I assistant had... jump off a three story building not to walk down the corridor I was in when I was getting the ass. <laughs> well, mate, I've had incidents where they haven't told me I'm dropped and I'm named on an extended bench, and then I've just like found out through like text message like that. <laughs> yeah. That's something like how it used to happen sometimes, like back you... when I first started the Eagles. Can you remember when Ruffy? Oh, you weren't there when Ruffy got dropped uh, in his third or fourth year or whatever it was. He wasn't told. Everyone had avoided him. Had avoided him, and the Box Hill team manager rang him and asked him if he could pick the passer up from the pasta store around the corner from his house. And Ruffy's like, "What?" It's like. <laughs> Oh shit, man! You haven't heard the news. You're not playing. Like, literally, rang him to pick up the pasta from the pasta shop. Oh, mate, the communication from some of the coaches is not their strong suit. Like, that's whereas every player just wants to just tell me, just tell me I'm not yeah. there. Like, <laughs> like no, no need to break your legs flying out a window to avoid me. Just say, man, you're out. Like, okay, cool, let's do it. And I, it's so odd because, like, I'm going to find out eventually. Like, yeah. it's not as if it's 10 years down the track. Like, I'm finding out in two days. And I'm tipping when Clarko rings anyway. me on a Thursday night, I'm dropped. Like, when when the, when the when your phone rings and says Alistair Clarks, and you're like, you could have told me two days ago when I saw you. You knew. <laughs> exactly. So, for me, mate, like, oh, sorry, a little little uh, diversion there. But we, um, mate, 2014 for, like, was really good. And then, um, and then sort of towards the back end of, like, the actual home and away season, Started to get a little bit sore in like some areas where I'd had injury history before, like calves and hammies. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, like you know, first for me in my career, but then also you know, probably not a sign of the club having confidence in you and the team was like they didn't fly me to Perth one one for one of the games. They're like, mate, like got a sore calf. We're playing Frio. What are you going over there for? Like rest up. Yeah. And I was like, if I rest, I'm I'm, I'm not in the team. I'm on the but block. Like, yeah. <laughs> How am I getting back into the team? Um, and so they were like, they literally like the conversation was just like, mate, you'll come back in. Yeah. And, not, and in my head, I was just thinking, Squizzy Taylor, like I've heard this before. Oh, you know, like, oh, oh wait, Simon Taylor, <laughs> who he got sliced in the knee by the side of an ASICS boot where um, the plastic meets like the, the kangaroo leather or whatever it is, and literally went across his patella. I've never seen a more gruesome injury in my life. Got through that, then got sore or whatever, then got rested saying he'd come back in. Brent Renouf comes in, plays okay, and then Squizzy never returns. And that is in every player's mind at Hawthorne was, 
when they said if you're on the fringe, have a week, you're like, man, it's my mum's funeral. I am not having a week. I am. I yeah. know what happens to. The, I know the ending to this story. Exactly right, and um, I think the player who came in for me was uh, was would it might have been. No, it wouldn't have been Shirley because he his name, but like it was someone who was it might have been changed someone like someone who yeah. could the day like absolutely do the job that I could be doing. Yeah. Um and so anyway, like you know, yeah, certainly apprehensive about getting arrested, but like the conversation was like, no, you'll come back in, so you take the word. And then um and yeah, and then for, sure enough came back in and then had a really strong block in the lead up to the finals. And my first final against Geelong was really, really good. Um and then uh and then the the prelim against Port Adelaide was probably one of the worst games I've played at AFL level. That was, the, was, was so that the thriller? That was a that was a thriller, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was terrible. Like I um gave away a ton of free kicks. Like just you know when you're just trying too hard and then, yeah. But I was also like a little bit apprehensive. Like it sounds so ridiculous now thinking about. You just like I just know I've got to get to the next one and then I can leave it all on the table of the next one. But yeah. like, I got to get there. Like so. Oh, prelims are hard. Yeah. Prelims are hard. Yeah, and obviously I'd never played in a prelim before, and um, at that level, and then I, yeah, so I was just, I wasn't, wasn't my best, put it that way, and um, and I mean, I know you're, you've got big praise for Clarko, you know, in terms of the way he coaches, and you talk about like little things that sometimes make a difference. I mean, irrespective yeah. of game plans and all that, um, he rang me very early in the week. It was either like Monday night or Tuesday after the prelim to let me know that I was playing yeah. in the granny. So, um, cause he obviously could sense that or saw that I was really like, I was nervous and traditionally not a nervous player. Yeah. Rigid, like, you rigid. Much, yeah. And, um, and so for me, that was, you know, really like settled me, of course. Yeah. Um, but his message was also not just your playing. It was enjoy the week. Like yeah. this is a, a huge week. Um, there's so many good things that go into the whole build-up, not just the game. So he's like, "Don't stress about selections. Just go out there and enjoy it." And like that was that was huge. So then, like, naturally relaxed as you as you would. Yeah. Um, and then go through the week and enjoy every moment. Um, like the final training sessions is is like an amazing experience in itself. And then, um, you know, the parade's fascinating as hell to think that that many people mm. want to come watch a wave to crowd. Like it's so weird. <laughs> but um, like I've, I've you know I've been in there. Um, I was one, I was in the parade the year before as the emergency, but you kind of feel like a bit of an imposter when you're not playing. Like yeah, you don't yeah. want to overdo it. Um, you don't want to be a downer either. You're like, no one's here for yeah. me. I'm envious of everyone else that's playing. It's it, it's a, it, the the emergency on the parade is the first moment I reckon you feel like shit. I've missed the boat here. Yeah, that's probably accurate. Yeah, yeah, you really do. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, so and then in the game itself. Um, I mean, I know it's probably not the the best grand final to watch in terms of entertainment value, but um, Jesus was good to play in. Like we were, we were on. Yeah, um, oh, it was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, and it's funny, like again, just probably the you talk about immature like game sense. I was only at my fifty first game or something, you know, mm. like on at that stage. And I remember before half time, I kicked it to Lakey, um, and he slipped over. Yeah. Um, and the ball went over his head. Like it was a, the kick was was made a little bit high, but he definitely could have marked it. Yeah. And then he slipped over, and Kieran Jack swooped on it. And then um, and then Lakey has recovered and like nailed this huge goal square tackle. Like it's all, it always comes up in the highlights package. Yeah. But never misses the fact that he fell over his own feet yeah. like moments before. <laughs> um, 
And then I come in to the, the change rooms at half time and just go, I'm at the the urinal. And Lakey comes up and like, how about when I fell over out there, Spag? I, like, <laughs> I was like, get your head in the game, Lakey. We need to win this thing. <laughs> and he's like, mate, we're up by like 50 points. Yeah, yeah. Lakey's <laughs> like, like he's having a singing at half time and, a, and a, he's having a dart and a stubby. It's 50 points. Chill out, boy. The um, yeah, I hadn't even comprehended that we were we were that dominant. Like it was probably oh, only no. when I watched the replay that I was like, wow, we, we were good. So my day that so, day, yeah. I'd moved to West Coast and I was obviously so happy for you to be playing. And I was seeing Eastern Woods place in Richmond and I didn't know Eastern at the time and I know him well now, but... Um, I was sitting there having been to Western Australia, now playing for West Coast, not really at Hawthorne, but still got the alliances and stuff. And I sat there for a quarter and 15 minutes in Richmond. And I said to Em, I was like, and being uh, MCC where we've had some big piss-ups, I was like, Em, I actually just want to go to the game now. Like, I'm, I'm not envious. Like, the year before, I was, I was so envious and pissed off. I actually want to get there and see Spang and Pup and all those guys that have... Yeah, Birch and Hodgie. Ho- 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 I shouldn't have named them because there's so many that you so the, the stories are so different. I turned up and, and got there and, and watched the second half. And I remember getting to the front of the line um, to do that with the lap of honour. And someone goes, so MCC, I snuck down, and someone's like, are "You, you fucking serious, mate? I've been here all day." I was like, "I'm actually in the corridor. Like you weren't sitting here all day. Like I, I, I'm in." I'm not at seat 113. I'm in the corridor. Like, <laughs> if you pitched your tent here, I wouldn't be standing here. Anyway, then the crowd were like, let him go, let him go. And then the players came around. I remember seeing you and those guys. Like, the moment of um, you see players who win, play 300 games, 200 games, and they bank up premiership, premiership, all Australian, all Australian. When you're like you and I, and you haven't got much to hang on the coat hanger, but you've got a premiership. Unless you've won one, you don't understand what everyone else has missed out on. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. No, I'm not, I certainly – I don't want to say that it validated my time in the AFL, but it certainly helps. Like, it, yeah. it, it makes it easier for me to look back on the time and say that, you know, it, it was worth something. You know, 100%. I know that it's more – it's not necessarily always about premierships or, or whatever, but, yeah, it definitely helps. And it certainly gives me a great sense of achievement, not to be part of – well, not sorry, not just to play in isolation, but like, to be part of that team in particular for me is something that like I'm really proud of. I look back at that team, I'm like Jesus Christ, there's some good players oh, in that. Mate, that's so that good. <laughs> that's so, like, I, I, hear, I hear conversations over in WA, like oh, f- from 2013. Oh, if only we kick straight. I was like, you weren't winning that game. I don't care what mm. any. They were so good that era. Like they were brilliant and. If you were you and I and other players, so the top 10 were unbelievable. If you were, you know, 11, 12 to 22 and you were good enough to hang on and enjoy the right and contribute, of course, like those leaders and the stars, you just, it was like, it was such a good investment to be involved in. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned two things you sort of touched on. One, you've been at the end front of the MCC. One of my favourite things is like a lot of my, you came down and saw my mate's, or I ran into my mates at the very front of the, the fence in the MCC. They wouldn't let I, me in, so that's where I moved around to the, the bay. I got in trouble. So when I, like, there's, what's great is that, like, it's sort of been immortalised in a photo, you know, of all of us while I'm on the ground with with you guys in, in the stands. Like, it's a nice photo. I mean, not too often do you get to see your mates on the lap, let alone get a capture of a photo of it. So it's a nice little memory that I see every time I go to see some visit some of my mates. 
Um, but then the other one that you touched on in terms of um, like getting around like the greatest players, you know, of that era, like we, we, for, the, for instance, I mean, this is a tidbit for like the message, like in the lead up to the 14 granny, like we discussed that Sydney probably had more stars than we did. Like, or yeah. at least Clarko sold it that way. Yeah. Like you said, their top end talent is probably better than our top five or six or whatever. But um, I know obviously, you know, he's, he, his old message was about basically getting back at Bud. Like he used that as a motivator for us. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, which worked. But then... Yeah, which worked, absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, he... But he said, you know, but our bottom six like, are way better than theirs. Are yeah. way more reliable. I know that there's way more things that go into a game of footy. But like, I look back on that day and like we had a really consistent performance across the, across the, the 22. Yeah. Um, like even Dr. O came on for bloody 20 minutes, had like 10 yeah, possessions. Yeah, but he, he was making a late run for group B. <laughs> <laughs> so like, just crazy contributions. And I, um, and yeah, so it just sort of rings true. So I just sort of like, that was always a message. I mean, I like, we just even touched on it before the importance of the guys who sit behind the 22 who are playing VFL. Like, uh, Hawthorne that year, I think all three of those years, I think made the grand final. But in the VFL as well as the AFL, yeah. you know, the squad's got a bat deep for you to, to go that far. And I see that now with Richmond. Oh, you know, 100%. How their squad is. Like, it's, it's no coincidence. I like, only put it this way the ones that you talk about Sydney winning in 2012 and even the Dogs in 16, you know, they're not necessarily filled with depth. And that's why they're not necessarily able to hang on. Hang for, in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like that's always for me. If you want to build a dynasty, you've got to have more than more than a one-off squad, really. I'm married, got a kid, another one on the way. Uh, and there's only, there's only one person I can solely thank for that. It was you, Matt Spanger. Can you remember the night that uh, you didn't set me up with my wife, but can you remember the night and how it happened? Because I certainly can, but you were certainly the man responsible. Yeah, I think... Uh, so we're at... It might have even been in our reverse program days. It was reverse. Pro- it was reverse program. It was. So I think we'd um, we'd sat and watched the footy somewhere, and I think then we're like, "Oh, we'll go to the." Um, I think it was a Pran Hotel, yeah, in, which destination. Um, and because M, your wife, who I knew from Perth, like so, and she'd moved to Melbourne, and I was like, "Oh, great! Like, you know, catch up, old times, whatever." Plus, like, you know, let's go out. And just sort of mingle with someone other other than ourselves for the yeah. for the day after spending you know six hours watching the footy, um, and it was there was no more to it than that really. But then, um, I you know it was supposed to just maybe just be like a like a casual like brief thing. But she turned up with like a squad of like twelve people. Yeah. Um, and um, so like kind of got lost in traffic where I was like trying to be polite and talk to everyone, and then um, and I mean you're a pretty chatty bloke, obviously. So like I know inhibitions about leaving you with anyone or whatever but <laughs> i look over like and you haven't talked to anyone else other than him pretty much the whole night um and so yeah so i was like oh, okay well i'll just keep talking and then um and then so that's pretty much all i remember from now i know you guys were just talking nfl basically most of the just night shit, and, yeah yeah it, just dribble so it started with um all right we, it was hawthorne geelong at the mcg and we'd planned to skip the game. So we turned up, because I had to show Luol Dang, the NBA player. <laughs> Remember the NBA player was was um, doing the yeah. rounds? And I so Luol Dang, for those, Google him. A couple of all-stars NBA. Uh, he was at the game. Now, I had to show him uh, at, through the stadium, through the warm-up, all that sort of stuff. 
And you guys would plan midweek saying, as soon as we show our faces, we're off. We're going to go have a beer. We're not sitting here watching this. Anyway, so I did little dang. You guys, you'd driven to the game, or Kyle Cheney had driven to the game, literally put Lou Dang in his seat and then jumped into the car, shot off. We went to Cheney's place to watch the game and have some stubbies. And you said to me, I still remember it, it's like, oh, we've got two options tonight, guys, because you were the voice of reason in Melbourne. You, had, you were the popular one. Uh, we've got a couple of mates um, over here, the boys, or we're gonna, we can catch up with a few girls. And it was someone's 25th birthday, I think, it, um, was on or something. And me and Chance, who's, uh, we both had partners at the time, but we we're like, we've just literally sat in a crowd of men for the last God knows how long. Let's go to the Pran Hotel. And there it was. Um, I, I had a, a, a missus at the time, which respectfully ended it before anything else. But now, thanks to you, married and two kids. So that was purely, if we had chosen to go left rather than right, um, I'd still be single and I wouldn't have found one person that could tolerate me. Well, uh, you don't give yourself enough credit there, mate, because as you, as you said, I think it was you and Sheen who decided to, to take that option. I was only just presenting them. So oh, it's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Uh, but honestly, it was, uh, I mean, seeing the two of you, I mean, I couldn't actually, now, you know, everything's perfect in hindsight, but the two people who could be more suited to each other is you and them, and obviously little Teddy and one of the way. It's very exciting, mate. So happy to be at least a small part of that puzzle. You were my Alistair Clarkson. You just told me where to go and you directed me and then the rest was done. Hey, uh, before, we, <laughs> before I wrap up and let you go, we need to touch on a couple of things we always talk about uh, on this podcast. Biggest spray. Have you ever copped a spray from a coach um, throughout your career? It doesn't matter whether it was Wusha, horse, or was a horse or Paul Roos? I had horse, yeah. Horse, uh, and horse. the spray I got was was from horse. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, you know, it wasn't. It was less of a spray. I've had two things that. Um, obviously, I had, like I've still got like longer hair. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I certainly had a lot longer hair back when I was playing. Um, and both Clarko and Horse have made like really like passive aggressive comments That's about right. my hair. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Whilst I was playing, um, I'm, like Horse was on the eve of my first final. Like you imagine, I'm quite excited playing, and then um, and he's uh, I was like, oh, we're going down, you know, on on Friday for a Saturday night game. Friday morning, I was like, plenty of plenty of time. I was like, I just you know, I was like, well, Horse, are we allowed to catch up with family or anything? And he was like, and his first was like, I'd be getting a haircut if I was you. So like, <laughs> you haven't said anything to this point ever. Oh. <laughs> and I'm first finals. Like, that some words of encouragement. Oh. And then, uh, and Clark had something similar. Like it was, he didn't even say it. He just wrote it up on the review that you get every week that they just put, they put on the notice board. That's right. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, you know you rate yourself out of out of ten or whatever, and it was something was like you hit your seven. Like basically, the pass mark was seven. If yeah, you, do you seven, you've done your job. And um, and like prided myself on hitting my sevens. Like I was certainly not getting too much beyond that normally. And then yeah. um, that was sort of my my go to. So I've chucked my seven up. Clarko's hit, like, put, put the seven up to match. I was like, tick, yeah. Like, check all the ratings, like, in terms of the values. And then the comment was like, did this well, did this well. And then just a little, can't help but feel you'd be a better player if you cut your hair. <laughs> <laughs> so when people, when people go like, Clarko must be passing on absolute wisdom, 
telling people in their game <laughs> review to, to cut their hair is about as in-depth as it got sometimes. But to even, yeah. like, paint the picture of that thing, there was, like, a, a pin board that used to go up with our ratings on there. So we'd uh, get a text or we'd have to text in our ratings and if you thought you played your role, you'd give yourself seven, above your role an eight, nine, you're outstanding, ten, Buddy kicking isn't, 13. Yeah, isn't Bud kicking 13 the only 10 anyone's ever seen or something like that? About that. Six, you, were, you weren't good. Five, you were shit house. And four was almost reflective of a 10. Rare as hen's teeth and holy mm. shit, maybe ring your employer. Maybe go looking for an apprenticeship. You're in all sorts. Yeah. But um, you used to send your tech, your results in before the, rate, the coach rated you. So... Often a lot of players would underrate themselves, but the very first thing I used to always do is see which player overrated themselves because like Clark would give you a six and then you'd rate yourself a seven. Holy shit, he thought he was good. And and there was one player who the boys just loved getting stuck into, like like ripping fella, like almost life the chambers kind of saw one of, you know, like Sam Grimley. Oh, Grimace. uh, (laughs) He gets a mention (laughs) almost every week on this podcast, Grimace. <laughs> Doesn't surprise. I mean, it's a pretty heavily weighted Hawthorne guest list you're running, but yeah, Grimmers is there. And um and he uh yeah, he I remember one game, like obviously big key forward, kicked four goals or something, but literally like no tackles, no <laughs> no like, no other stat other than four marks, four goals, gave himself like an eight. <laughs> And he got a six or something, and everyone's like, yeah. Oh my god, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> oh no, it, it, you feel so sorry for me. Like you often because I reckon my mates in our mateship group used to have a fair read on how they were going, but like you'd be looking at the board and you never wanted to say it, but like you'd pull the bottom of the bloke's singlet to say, "Look in the top left corner, this bloke gave himself an eight, and you used to laugh your head off at overrating themselves, mate. Um, before I let you go, you've got dinner. You're going for dinner, and you're allowed to have four guests with you. So four guests. You're the fifth, so five at the table. Who, who, who are the who are the four footy boys you bring into the table on a free feed so it's, night it's out? Boys, it's not like randoms from from anywhere. It's just it's footy blokes I've played footy with. Well, what would you rather? Oh, it probably makes more sense for guys to play footy with. Yeah, give, I mean, us footy, bit, give, us like footy, give us footy. Give us footy. Give us random. Um, although the only random I'd add in there that you might have met, like I've just come off the back of watching Drive. To survive, I feel like Danny Ricardo would be a bit oh, of fun yeah. at, a, at a dinner. Uh, randomly, um, randomly linked in with his um, uh, PT, like, and it's not like a PT where he trains him in a straight. Like, he literally is on the circuit with him, like, he's his best mate. Yeah, yeah. When, when he's we like went a to, mate who did him. Yeah, yeah. Has he got like a surname like Italiano or something yes. like that? Is that right? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah. So, they, and they got a place down south in WA where they were training during COVID. Dan Ricardo, that smile. Like, how can you? How can you not like him? Oh yeah, and obviously, I mean, I know he's got a, a close relationship with with the Eagles. Obviously, he's trained there sometimes, and I mean, all the guys who met him say he's a ripping fellow as well. But anyway, that's a bit of that's about as close I get to star effing these days. Yeah, that and Chris Hemsworth probably the other one. But the um the uh, in terms of the guys I play for, other than yourself, Docker as well. Like I feel Excluded. like the, uh, yeah, um, geez, it'd be. If I didn't give Scully a shout out, he'd absolutely he'd cry. He'd have um, kittens. He'd be the best man at the wedding. Um, but like Sam Butler would be one. I think yeah. they would have to come along. Um, Sam Mitchell, I'd, I'd definitely get included because he's uh, he's so polarizing that the conversations will absolutely flow. I think. But him and Scully, that that butt heads. 
Oh, one, yeah. one would say it's and black, one would say it's white, and the thing's red, and they'll fight until they work out who's what. Exactly right. So I think that'd be fascinating. And then just uh, I'd probably get uh, like Ted Richards would be really is always good for yeah something like that. Good guy around. Yeah, ripping fella. Um, so that's probably is that four? Yeah, that's, that's four. four. That, that's you got Scoey, Bart, Mitch, and Teddy Richards. Yeah, pretty so clever. Pretty clever table. Yeah, like we'd probably go to a trivia night to start off with and then just stick yeah. around, I reckon. No, I don't mind it. Hey, uh, who's the best player you've ever played with? Uh, oh, I'd risk of giving a big head. I mean, probably probably Mitch. But, yeah. like, um, I was thinking the other day, I played footy with, like, Tim Owen Horn, um, like five Brownlow medalists. Yeah, it's so, crazy. Um, so, and one of them won a couple. Well, two of them won a couple. So, like... Uh, it's they, they were great. I the, Juddy at the peak of his powers early skinny, days. Skinny Juddy. Um, yeah, it was probably it's probably the best player I've seen. But yeah. I actually I didn't actually play with Juddy in a an official game. I only played with him in preseason games, yeah. so I don't know if I can count that. Um, Goodsy obviously was amazing, but I probably didn't get Goodsy at his prime. Yeah. Um, I think I suppose I, I'd say Mitch because uh, I love. I love the way he saw the game more. Like, yeah. and he was he was as intelligent as he was uh, capable. And like, two things um, always resonate with me that Mitch has told me through footy. Well, one whilst I was playing footy, and once in retirement. Um, but the first one while I was playing he was like, "Is you can be competent at everything. You just got to have one one wood yeah. to like get a gap." Um, and so, like, you can be whatever you want. And like, he was like, "Spang yours." embarrassingly enough is just effort yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, <laughs> which is not what you want to hear you want to yeah. hear like a great contestant mark or yeah. something like that yeah but um i was like fair enough and the second one was kind of lends itself to the same thing he 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 borrowed this off i think arsene wenger like a uh, premier league former premier league manager but saying that um there's two types of of players like those who love to win and those who hate to lose yeah and trying to work out where you position those people on a field is very important in terms of the makeup of your actual, of like your actual team. So, yeah. I mean, it's probably more prominent in like soccer, but certainly it rings true. And like defenders traditionally, like, you know, Dow defenders like hate to lose hate and stuff lose. like that. But yeah. you do have to have a balance because otherwise you won't score. And I, I think back to our teams, like Matty Suckling and, and Dr. A, um, maybe, maybe less Doc, but like Matty Suckling certainly loves to win more than he hates <laughs> yeah. to lose. <laughs> when he sees a target so, through the back of his eyes and then kicks some banana sausage roll out the back of his heel and then it's like, oh, fuck, it missed it. it. Yeah, right. Or, exactly you know, or right. he's laced it out and the game's over. Yeah, I agree with that. Sam Mitchell, um, Cameron Brown said to me once, he's like, oh, I said, who's the toughest player to play with? He goes, oh, Sam Mitchell by a long way. And, like, I, I always associated Mitch with Brownlow, t- um, skilled, done at, the, done at the hut. But, like, someone who never takes his eye off a ground ball and never fumbles is a form of toughness that I never even thought about. And then I started looking and I go, Sam Mitchell is tough and so skilled. So I agree with that. Now, before we wrap, mate, let's talk about your cult status at Hawthorne. Uh, So we'll talk about your cult status and then I want to know what you're doing now because you've just come back from the UK, done that, um, got back just before the shit hit the fan, which is is a blessing. Uh, the, The cult status. So... Uh, Sir Matt Spanger has a page on Facebook. Uh, commentary teams had names for you. 
how did that come about? Because I remember going out for beers with you and you were so recognisable. Like it was, uh, it was as though you were the star of the team, you know, the quarterback of the team sort of situation. <laughs> Run us through this, the, the, the cult status. I, uh, it's a little bit crazy, like sort of when you look back on it. I suppose um, I, I, I've tried to put things, like the only thing I can really put it down to is sort of just the look and the style of play, right? Like the combination, yeah. like obviously we spoke about just then, you know, hating to lose. Like um, I certainly would just throw myself a contest and things like that. Yeah. So I like to think that my footy prowess had something to do with the, do with the, I suppose, the recognition. But yeah. I was also probably like, um, I mean, lots of people now have got long hair and beards and stuff, but I don't think it was as fashionable maybe in like 13, <laughs> 2013. So maybe I was just a little bit ahead of the curve, yeah. Um, which got a little bit more recognition. But it all started mainly at Box Hill, like really like the Box Hill fans got around, or the Hawthorne <laughs> fans going to Box Hill got around yeah, heavily. Yeah, the, the full nuffies. Um, yeah, exactly. And then that's just... Um, and then I, I played all right uh, in the grand final in, the, in 2013, and that was, it's, you know, it's at Etihad and it's televised and, um, you know, you're getting like 30,000 fans or whatever to a VFL game. Yeah. And I, like the, the really excited, like diehard Hawthorne fans, like it really carried a few more people within that day and really got around me. And then that just carried straight through to, to 2014. <laughs> um, it was quite, it was crazy. So, um, but honestly, it was, it was a bit of fun, like, you certainly wouldn't want it that way than the other way. I'd hate to be, or hate to be, but like, you know, it is what it is. But like, if you're a maligned player who yeah, just, of course. like, gets, you know, gets shit from the fan all the time. But I was lucky I never had that um, throughout my career. It was probably never important enough to get that level of, uh, <laughs> I suppose, anonymity. But like the, um, but yeah, so that's kind of how it all came apart. And then, um, yeah, and then I suppose just that the look probably helped, which I'm sort of still running with a little bit. Do you still get noticed in the streets and stuff? Uh, on occasion, but certainly not. It was cr- it was crazy. Yeah, it was. There was times where it was it was pretty funny. My my mates, uh, or one of my mates, you know, obviously pretty well. Tiger like Wari, um <laughs> used to hate going. Yeah, used to hate going to the races with me or the MCC if yeah. we weren't playing. He's like because that's that was right in my hitting zone. Oh, you know? no, that's like, your, that is that is your zone. Boys, <laughs> private school boys aged between eighteen and twenty three seems to be like my yeah. fan zone. Yeah. <laughs> And um, he's like, mate, I, he hated it. He's like, I'm basically, you've, I get to the end of the day after everyone's, you know, maybe had a few drinks and Dutch courage to ask for photos. And he yeah. just became like the person. The photographer. <laughs> mate, it's funny. Yes. So, Wari one night, you mentioned MCC and Wari one sentence. We got pissed one day in the David Neitz bar. Is it David Neitz or Swart? That's Neitz bar. Yeah. And Wari booked tickets to Perth. He's like, nah, fuck it. I'm coming to Perth. I'm done. Like, I'm going to come watch you boys at the Eagles. And that was when the bloody, uh, was it Air Asia or the flight went missing? Um, Asia Air, yeah. And that was who he'd booked through. And he was like, yeah. no, nah, boys, sorry, mate. No, nah, I'm not coming anymore. He lost his like, <laughs> but booked him on the dance floor with us. He was so keen oh, to come. He's an impulse purchaser, absolutely. Like he, that's how he lives, 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 lives his life. Well, I should say for me, he's, it's funny what the love of a good woman can do. He's certainly got his act together, I'd say, these days. Oh, bless him. Uh, finished footy. Uh, and you're an extremely smart, intelligent, charismatic, switched-on guy. So in terms of your successes, are going to be so far beyond football. But you went overseas. Uh, your wife uh, studied over there as well and upskilled herself in medicine. Uh, you jumped and did your own sort of sports administration stuff. Collingwood stood down through COVID. W- what are you doing? What's the plan? 
and are we going to keep you in Australia? Because um, I'm sure that there'll be a bloody good job for you somewhere. Well, uh, I love that you opened that with saying, you know, I'm intelligent. I feel like I've maybe done myself down with some of these war stories from today, just talking no, no. about all my industry. No, no, <laughs> everyone's got the war stories, but I also feel like you were the player that I would come, I could come to and go, Spank, I fucked up. What do I do? Like, it was like you were like a, <laughs> yeah, a, a yeah. lawyer without being a lawyer. It was almost like, no, you're sweet, mate. Don't <laughs> worry about it. But if Spang said, oh, shit, mate, doesn't look good. You're like, ah, oh, right. I mean, all sorts of, I mean, I'm in a really hairy situation. Matty Spanger, um, thank you so much. It's been a journey watching your, your footy career. West Coast, Sydney, premiership player at Hawthorne, which is obviously the crowning moment and something that we both, you know, when, when you rest the head on the pillow, it, it wasn't a waste of a long bloody period of time because you've got a reunion at some stage, which is, which is an exciting, exciting thing. But, mate, you've been one of my close mates and I, I truly appreciate the friendship, but also jumping on today. Mate, thanks for having me. Much the same, mate. Echo the sentiment. So uh, thanks very much. Thanks, mate. Cheers.